Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to have to get used to this microphone. I'm used to being as loud as I want to be. In the northeast corner of the glittering Mediterranean Sea lay the city of Antioch. Antioch was a star of the ancient world. On the border of Turkey and Syria, a crossroads of trade and commerce, and the population included not only local folk, but immigrants from Athens and Macedonia and other places across the region. When the city became part of Rome, it was the third largest city in the empire. The Romans built a great circus at Antioch, second only to the legendary Circus Maximus in Rome itself. The circus in Antioch included a hippodrome for the racing of chariots, and it sat 80,000 spectators. But Antioch was not all bread and circuses. The city was beset by seismic activity and was often struck by earthquakes, in addition to sacks and raids by their neighbors to the west and to the east. Antioch was the original city that never sleeps. The church in Antioch was similarly fantastic. Unlike most of its sister churches, the church in Antioch was made up of Gentiles, not converted Jews, most of them Greek. And it was there in the first century, in the midst of all that was Antioch, we hear our second lesson from the book of Acts. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord, and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Yes, it was in Antioch that these ragtag fugitive followers of that resurrected Christ would be called Christians. Names are important. According to Rabbi Benjamin Bleck, names represent our identity not simply because they are convenient, a convenient way that allow us to be distinguished from one another, but it is because they define us. The names we are given at birth are not accidental. They are, to some extent, prophetic. They capture our essence. They speak. They are the keys to our soul. And our essence, our key, is to be followers of Christ, hence Christians. And what do these Christians do when they receive their name? What do these Christians do when they cross that important threshold on the journey of learning who they are? They give. Again, from our Acts reading, literally the sentence after receiving our name. At that time, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 
One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine all over the world, and this took place during the reign of Claudius. The disciples determined that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. They gave because that's what Christians do. That is what they are meant to do. And that is what Jesus told us to do. They heard the cry and need of their sisters and brothers, and they gave. Remember Jesus' interaction with the rich young man just last Sunday, looking at him, Jesus loved him, and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And on that note, it is stewardship season yet again at the Chapel of the Cross. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ushers, bar the door. Now before you panic, I'm not about to ask you to give everything away as Jesus did, but it is that very important time when we pray and think and consider how we give to this place that we love, the Chapel of the Cross. You should have received a letter in the mail from our excellent stewardship chair and co-chair, Stan Heron and Tommy Robertson, with a pledge card, and there's a pledge card in your bulletin, and the excellent Dana Tiffin, our parish administrator, without whom the chapel and probably all of Christendom would fall to pieces, she is here this morning to receive your pledge or answer any questions you might have about your pledge. A few points about your pledge. A pledge is a prayerful promise made with love and grace. A pledge is a result of a deliberate prayer and consideration by you and your family about how you wish to give and be part of the life, ministry, and mission of the Chapel of the Cross. That being said, it is not binding in any way. If the winds of life are especially strong for you in 2022, although all of us are due for a much calmer year, please, Lord, we will certainly understand without a drop of guilt or resentment if your plans have to change. A pledge is also a powerful tool for the leadership of the parish. Even as we speak, the finance committee, the vestry, and the wardens are beginning the work of our budget for 2022. And a pledge is an invaluable tool for these good people to wisely and prudently plan for the coming year. And a lot is going on in this next year. For one, we aren't done with this place, this chapel of the resurrection. In the first quarter of 22, our organ will be installed. We also need to address the acoustics and lighting in this place to make sure that this is an environment that is as hospitable and as functional as possible. 
We will be ordering hangings, some of which you may see in a few weeks. And we have to do something about this pulpit, this very large, this very solid, this very pulpity pulpit. Don't get me started. And all of that falls under the heading of our mortgage. When we built this place, we set out, we stepped out in faith, wisely but boldly, and now we need to fully incorporate the mortgage into our budget. <clears throat> A few fun financial facts. If everyone who pledged to the Chapel of the Cross increased their pledge by 4%, we would make up the difference between our interest-only payments in 2021 and our proper mortgage in 2022. If everyone increased their pledge by 20%, and that's a big ass to be sure, but 20% would cover the mortgage entirely, the mortgage payment in 2022. Similarly, six new pledges would make up the same difference, and 30 new, new pledges would carry the entire weight of the mortgage payment for the year. I know such blunt numbers are not usual sermon fare, but I want to be transparent about our needs as a parish. And our needs are not strictly about the Chapel of the Resurrection. I can't make an official announcement today, but a new youth minister will be joining us soon. Such an important ministry to those in a pivotal stage of life. We continue our servant ministries through our daily bread, angel tree, the school supply drive, and the 700 families in Madison County who had Christmas supper on their table because of the Chapel of the Cross. Ed has big plans for our music program. Our Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program is adding a new atrium for toddlers. Our young adult ministry, thanks to Will's great work and leadership, is busting at the seams. And on top of that, there is the real maintenance of our campus, from air conditioning units that needing to be replaced to, for a, leak, to a leak in the parish hall just this morning, necessitating the water being shut off in the building, which is why we don't have coffee this morning. I promise that was not planned. There's a lot going on at the Chapel of the Cross, and we want you to be a part of it. Again, from Acts. The disciples determined that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. We give because that is who we are and what we do. In this important season, I invite you and your family to pray about how you can and how you will give. Amen.